Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. I'm really pleased that my guest today is Nancy Steiner. She, uh, for many years, has been focused on producing documentary films and nonfiction television for networks. And it has always been her desire to tell stories that offer a deepened understanding of the human condition. Now, as a fully devoted coach, she shares her experience with others facing challenges and difficulties regarding blended families. Welcome, Nancy. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Catherine, thank you so much for having me. This is great. So what was it that, um, before we get into the coaching and what you do, but what was it, Nancy Steiner, that led you to transition your career to coaching from what you were doing? Honestly, I had just completed doing a lot of work, 52 short pieces for the Council on Foreign Relations about global diplomacy, and those were sort of six-minute mini-docs that are shown in 100 countries all over the world to mostly people college level and, and above. And I had reached a point where after 40 years of producing nonfiction work, I wanted to connect more deeply with people on a one-on-one basis. And I had been sort of finding stories in people for such a long time that I hoped would influence the viewer. I wanted to make the shift to find stories within people so that they could move their own lives forward. And I guess I would have to say that I had sort of a come-to-Jesus moment when my colon ruptured, and I had a lot of time to think about this. And I'm perfectly fine now, and I have a perfectly normal life, but I did have 12 weeks off where I could sort of sit back and and analyze what I was doing, where I wanted to go. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is that as a documentarian or documentary filmmaker, you were sort of producing content for people and giving them facts and and stories, and but you didn't know how it was landing on them. And it, and it sounds like after this experience and this opportunity to uh, think about what was most important to you when you were ill, mm-hmm. you really want to be talking and understanding how people are actually interacting with their own lives on a much more personal level. Is that right? That's exactly right. And I actually wanted people, I wanted to work with people on creating their own narratives and moving their lives forward so that I wasn't just bringing a story to people anymore. I was actually helping people move their own stories to where they wanted to take them. And so I felt that coaching was almost a natural progression for me. You do a lot of work kind of interviewing people, which I had done for such a long time and with lots and lots of different kinds of people in in all walks of life. And I felt that it would be really nice to take the skills that I have and use them in a way that could directly impact a person's life and sense of self. Yeah, I love that about people having people figure out a way to tell the the story they want to tell about their in the life that they're leading. Exactly, and that's what coaching really is. I mean, that's I I went you know I underwent 
a lot of tra- 14 months of very rigorous training um, with a wonderful organization called IPEC. And you really understand how, how the human condition works in a different way once you've gone through this. And you really are given an opportunity to help people see their lives as a series of opportunities rather than problems. So that's a great segue to, to, to this question of how will coaching help people through and after their divorce? And I think people sometimes wonder, oh, is it just sort of raw, raw, you know, support for the divorcing person? Um, but how does it really help people? No, I don't even think of it as being raw, raw, the way you have a soccer coach <laughs> or, right. or a football coach. You learn about who you want to be in any form of coaching, whether it's you're being coached for divorce or to write a book or to figure out how to take better care of your mother, whatever it is, coaching takes a person through a journey of coming to terms with how they want to make and become the change in their life that they seek. So if you're going through divorce and you make a commitment to yourself that you don't want to be a nasty person in divorce, I can coach you or any decent divorce coach will teach you through a series of questions to figure out who you want to be in that process. And you realize that, you know, in the, in the words of the great Dr. Mark Banchek, who helped me so much during my divorce, just because you had a bad marriage doesn't mean you have to have a bad divorce. And you can have a good divorce, even though you feel that your marriage didn't work. You can have a high-functioning divorce. I, I became deeply, deeply committed to that concept at the outset of the decision that was made in my own marriage to divorce. It's really about that, who you want to be. Well, and then figuring out how to stay being that person Correct. even when the, when the ride gets rough. That's right, because everything that can go wrong in a certain way might. I'm not saying it will, but it might. And when you're going through divorce, listen, nobody in my family had ever been divorced. This was a foreign land to me. And I felt like I was falling in a dark hole, just tumbling through. I was terrified that my children would never laugh again. I was terrified that they wouldn't ever form happy relationships in their lives moving forward, believe in romance. It was very scary for me. And I had nothing to fall back on in the way of experience. So I think that each time something was thrown in my face, no matter how big or small, I committed myself to staying in a place of kindness and compassion whenever possible and not regressing. Because what happens a lot in divorce is that we become our worst selves, our most regressed people. You know, we become like children. And unfortunately, the actual children in divorce suffer terribly from that. So, you know, my ex-husband and I had a really serious commitment with each other to put our children first because they didn't ask for any of this. And so when bad stuff popped up, I was able to just step back and say, no, I don't want to do it the way everybody else does it. I want to do this nicely. I want to do this kindly. And my ex-husband was every bit as committed to that as I was. So that's a very unusual, you know, duality. Yeah, and I think that for many of our listeners, they could be thinking, yeah, well, that was great for you, Nancy Steiner, but right. my husband, my wife. Yeah, but let me say, so you know, it wasn't a smooth ride all the way either. And there were times where I remember saying, you know, distinctly to myself, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to, I'm not going to participate this way. It's not easy. It's much easier 
to, to be bitchy in a divorce in a way. It's much easier to regress and say, oh, it's all his fault because then you're protecting yourself. But that's usually not the case. You know, it takes two to tango. It takes two to divorce. These things don't happen in a vacuum. And from my own experience, could never imagine thinking that it was just one person's fault. I feel like the deep tragedy of divorce is that it's both people. It's what comes between the two of you. No, I said so much there. I, I just want to go back to to the thing about that. Is it me or is it us? Or can I can I do this by myself uh, right. in terms of the coaching thing? And there's a book called The Good Karma Divorce written by a mm-hmm. judge, uh, Michelle Lawrence. I think mm-hmm. she's retired now. And she basically says that you don't need the other person, your soon-to-be ex-spouse or mm-hmm. your ex-spouse, mm-hmm. to do it with you. You can make the change yourself. I believe you can that. Hold to the to the your better self, no matter what they do. I and believe that, that alone will change the divorce for the better, and it will change the result for your children better for the better, and you will get a better result if you are able to do that. So There's tell no me what question. you think about that. I I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I think it's the hardest thing to do, but I think it's the best thing to do is to rely totally on yourself and your own best nature. You know, the the better angels of your nature can protect you in ways unimaginable. The minute you go down, it's like Michelle Obama, you know, what does she say? Like, stay high, aim high, you go low, they go high, whatever. I'm telling you that if you can stay high, if you can take the high road through divorce, you will feel so much better about yourself. Your children will be really proud of you. And in the long run, you will get more benefit out of the divorce than you can imagine. If you become what you're criticizing in your partner, then you're becoming what you don't want to become, who you don't want to become. I'm Catherine Miller. This is Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 530. And we're also available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on the website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Nancy Steiner about coaching and divorce. And we were just talking, uh, Nancy Steiner, about being your best self in the divorce process. And I'm wondering, how does coaching help people do that? Because I can imagine that coaching would be a really good way to help people be their best selves, even when it gets tough. Coaching has the unique quality of asking really tough questions in a really positive way that bring understanding and compassion to a person's sense of self. So if you're coaching a person through the bitterness, the anger, the frustration, and the fear, the terror that comes through divorce, you are able to get the person to the other side of feeling a sense of honesty and serenity and I can get myself through this. I can do this myself. I know what I want. I know who I want to be. Coaching is all about getting the other person to do the work on themselves that helps them look through the front mirror, not the rear view mirror, but the front windshield that they're driving. You know, sometimes in in therapy, you spend a lot of time thinking about the past and in coaching, you're thinking much more about the present and who do I want to be here? How do I want to move myself forward? What is the way that I want to inform the change that I want to be? And it's your coach's job to get you to find those answers within yourself. And a good coach 
will not tell you what to do, will not provide answers for you. A good coach will enable you through questions to find the answers and empower yourself. Well, I, I love that the idea of looking through the windshield, not the rearview mirror, because I think that it's one of the things that I love to say to my clients is that divorce is the intersection between what was and what will be, and right. you have a choice to go forward looking toward what you want, not feeling just in constant reaction to the past. And we can do a much better job for you as lawyers if we can be in conversation and you're able to articulate where you want to go. And it's not about getting back at someone or revenge. It's about what you want to build for your future, no matter how sad or scared or anxious you might be. You know, I, yes, it makes perfect sense to me, Catherine. And I think the hardest thing in divorce is letting it go, is saying to yourself, you know what? I don't need to wag my finger back at him or her. I don't need to win. I just need to move forward and have the life that I want to have. And I realize it didn't work here. And I'm sad and I'm pissed or whatever it is that you feel. But I realize that the only way I can make the change that I want to have is to be the change that I want to be. You know, as a coach, I would be asking my client questions that would empower her or him to really understand what they want next. And it's through that understanding of their present and their future that they become really powerful in, in the next part of their lives. They they are often amazed with what they can accomplish by just sort of asking themselves the questions. They they don't have these tools. None of us are born with this. I have a little toolbox as a coach that I can help you with, and I can bring out certain, you know, empowering questions that I know are going to help you get to be who you want to be. Well, Nancy Steiner, what are, can you give us a little peek into the toolbox and tell us where, <laughs> what are some of the questions you might ask people, what our listeners might think to themselves, well, what is she actually going to ask me? Well, how can I get a taste of it? I think that Empowering questions will always ask you, where are you stuck? How are you blocked? What would it take to get you past that? What would it feel like to reframe your thinking and try something different? When did it work for you before to think a certain way and when didn't it work for you before? What do you want out of this moment? What is it that's troubling you about it? And what would your vision be for how you would want it to go? So a coach is asking you not only what your dream, you know, situation is, but also what are you fearing? Where are you stuck? How can we get you out of your own muck? How do we get you to a place where you're comfortable, you're in charge, and you feel empowered by your own strength? And why does it help to have somebody else do this? Why can't people just do this for themselves? It's impossible to do this all for yourself. You know, none of us are born knowing. If we were, we wouldn't have, you know, <laughs> you'd be out of practice. <laughs> there wouldn't be horrible divorces because most people don't want to be jerks. They want to be kind. They want to be good. They want to be decent. For them, I believe, for the most part. You can't know everything about yourself. When you're in divorce, you are blinded. You are tone deaf to your own power, your own pain your own potential. You cannot possibly know what to do in divorce that is always going to be the best for yourself because there are too many emotions, you know, rational and irrational, flying in your face, assaulting you, choking you, frightening you. And so you need somebody to hold your hand, to be your advocate, to be your shield and help you be their strongest self. 
Do you have any tips for people who think, well, you know, at that moment when you're just, you're angry, mm-hmm. you're fighting, and you're just about to go down the my worst self path, right? Mm-hmm. My, this is my most base, most reactive, most childish self. Like, how do people stop themselves at that moment? Their coach isn't there by their side. Mm-hmm. Is there something that they can say to themselves or remember to stop going down that path? This is only now. And if I want it to be better in five minutes, it can be. This is only right now, and if I take a deep breath and I talk to myself and center myself, now doesn't have to be tomorrow, now doesn't have to be an hour from now, what do I want, what do I need right now? You know, write it down, look at it, and calm yourself. Doesn't have to be that way. I think that's really helpful. I'm Catherine Miller. This is Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM in Westchester County, New York every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And we're also available as a podcast on all podcast applications. And I'm talking today with Nancy Steinart. Nancy, if people are interested in learning more about you, how can they get in touch? Well, I have a website, and it's called SteinerCoachingSolutions.com. That would be S-T-E-I-N-E-R. And all my information is right there. So I would love that. I'm always happy to help people look through a lens that is a kinder, gentler divorce. And I also want to make sure that we have time to talk today about blended families. I know mm. that's a particular mm. passion of yours, and it's mm. a really challenging thing to do well. And so mm. let's talk a little bit about what a blended family is and how to do it successfully. Okay. A blended family is the merging of two former marriages into one present marriage. So I live in a blended family with my second husband and his children from his first marriage and from my children from my first marriage. So that's what a blended family is. And um, how to do it successfully, again, it's really about having a conversation with yourself at the outset. I had two children of my own, so I didn't have any designs on needing to be my stepchildren's, you know, mother. They have a fantastic mother who is actually now one of my very closest friends on the planet. And when I met her at a function, sort of officially as my husband's girlfriend, I said to her, you know, we can do this differently. We don't have to want to kill each other. We can be friends. We can, I have no designs on your children. I have two of my own and they keep me plenty busy. And I'm, you know, here to support you and the life you have with your children. And I want to do this our own way. And she was really funny. She was great. She said, you know, I don't know if we have to share clothes right away, (laughs) but I'm in. And she was. And from that moment on, we did it our way. And I can honestly tell you now that, you know, if I was on my deathbed and I could pick five people, she'd be one of them I would want there. I mean, I feel very, very close to her. We've raised these five children now to get, we've, you know, been doing this for a long time. And that's not to say there haven't been bumps, because of course there have been. But both of us remain, she and I have always remained committed to making this blended family work for these kids. There are five children involved, you know, five little lives here. None of those kids asked for any of this. And I feel passionate about my stepchildren and their place in my heart. I carry them with me and I'm crazy about them. And, uh, you know, my own children have been incredibly tolerant of my need to be liked by everybody here <laughs> and patient with all the different scenarios that have come up. 
So again, I, I also uh, live in a blended family, and I think it's a very complicated thing. And I worked very hard on it in the beginning to think about that and to be really cautious and careful and, and deliberative about exactly. each decision that we were making. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that one thing that people do is they're just like, well, they don't think about all of the steps and how complicated it is for the kids and the other parents and all of that sort of stuff. And they just think it's just going to be like it was, well, we're just, you know, like it was in the original family. And mm-hmm. that's, that's just not true. And what do you think are some of the, the most complicated parts and the most difficult parts that maybe people wouldn't think about? Well, I think the most difficult part is that, for me anyway, the way my ex-husband and I raise our children is very different than the way my husband currently and his ex-wife raise their children. We just have very different parenting styles. So what that presents right then and there is a great big box of stuff to work with, you know. And um, I think we have similar values, you know, honesty, integrity, and all those things. But I think that we have very different parenting temperaments, and we had very different parenting templates from our own, you know, immediate families growing up. So my ex-husband and I grew up in the same community. We went to high school together. We had came from families that knew each other, and we had sort of an extraordinary situation that way. And we were very, very similar in the way we believed in parenting styles for the most part. And today, when you know, we're still very devoted friends, and we talk about children and raising our children, even though they're 24 and 28, stuff is always popping up. And we're basically on the same page almost all the time. Not always, but a lot of the time. I don't believe that would have happened had I married my second husband first. (laughs) That's interesting. We're just totally different kinds of parents. You know, we had very different experiences in childhoods, and that's okay. But that has presented conversation, to put it mildly. And, you know, I think for my kids... Seeing how three other kids were raised differently has been a real eye-opener for them. I also think that for all five of the children, that my um, husband's ex-wife is also now happily remarried, and she is in another blended family on her husband's side now. So I think that for all of these children, it's really great to see that you can get past this, and it's okay. It's not going to be the ruination of your life. If you work hard at it, you can make it okay. So I think there's a big, big lesson there for everybody. Like, if I blend my family, I'm not going to destroy my children's lives. Yeah, if if you do it right. because Right, you You have to really work at this stuff. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify that. It's a constant job. It's every bit as exhausting as parenting itself. Blending a family is not for sissies. You know, it's like this is a tough, tough thing to do. Yeah, no, I agree. My kids, we had four kids. Each of us had, my husband and I, each had a son and a daughter and a dog. And the kids were aged in age from four to 11. Mm-hmm. And we had to put into place, we like to say that we went from the man-on-man defense to the zone defense. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had to put into place a whole new set of rules that was new for everybody. Right. And really to think through how we're going to handle chores and how we're going to do the laundry and setting the table and all of that sort of stuff, which became just such a much larger thing overnight for everybody involved. Right. And, you know, you have rules at your house that are going to be different than the rules at your husband's ex-wife's house. And yet 
my husband's ex-wife and I would talk about this so that there was some consistency. We would try really, really hard that if putting the plate in the dishwasher was happening at my house, it was going to happen at her house too. You know, we would try to sort of make it an even playing field so that neither house was the yucky house. Yeah, that's good. What was surprising to you about the blended family situation? Surprising to me? Um, God, uh, everything. <laughs> Again, I had no template. I had no experience with this. Uh, so everything was a surprise. Um, it still is. I mean, you can't predict anything. I guess one thing that was surprising to me at first was I didn't realize how good listeners my ex-husband's children are all really good listeners. They're sponges. And I was surprised that I could see myself getting through to them, and I didn't expect that. Yeah, and I didn't that, expect that the love to come back to me so so well. And right. they've been incredibly exactly. loving children to me, even though they're not my own. Nancy Satter, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Dialogue, Divorce Dialogue. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Catherine. <laughs>